You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. I'm glad to see everybody that made it out through the snow today. Most roads are pretty good, so it wouldn't be tough. So we're just glad you made it. We're excited to start this new series. This is what we're doing is we're taking, this is going to be a combination of a personal testimony with a particular verse. And so what we're looking for is those inheritance verses that we had talked about uh, late last year. Doesn't have to necessarily be a dramatic 180 turn or something like that, but it can be kind of like one of them subtle, steady awarenesses that came upon you, and it made a change in you. And especially if it's a particular verse, I'm telling you why. When God's direct and personal contact comes into, that touches each of us through his word, and when his word melts into that, the Holy Spirit comes as you testify to it. And it really explodes to us as we watch it. Because I've seen this. Um, some of us, well, maybe not too many, but there's a few of us that went to celebrate recovery. We had what we called Testimony Day. And everybody saw the power of the Holy Spirit get ex- spread out when people gave the testimony of what, the God, what God's been doing in their life what God helped them break off, what God helped them change. So please, I'm just, I, I was really, really almost to the point of being, uh, well, not almost, I was to a point of being kind of condemnation last week. I was asking people to come. I was like, come on. But I really, it's so important because don't allow yourself to think, I can't speak. Allow yourself to believe that the Holy Spirit can. Yes. And then through you, things happen. So yeah, you'll be a little nervous. I remember some, I'd be at the Celebrate Recovery and someone would write that stuff down, handwritten. And, and, and so, but you know what? It flowed beautifully. It all came out because it was spirit-led. So don't be afraid. So if you would, please, just jot down what verse kind of helped lock you into something and share it with us. Because what's going to happen is we're going to revisit those same verses and more than likely, the same effect will come upon us. That's the only thing I learned about salt recovery is I'm not the only one that felt this all along. Whatever it is. And so the Holy Spirit works in all of us. So I'm just going to really suggest that. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. Before I get into my verse, I'd like to give you a little bit of background to give you a re- reference point. And as I start, this is what's really kind of important. We need to understand that we all come from a point of reference or a, a lens that we look at through the world through. And that lens is very, very important for us to understand. That's where we get our philosophies, our beliefs. That's where we think what's proper and normal. That's where we get expectation, goals, and values in life is all funneled through our worldview. And it kind of starts with us mostly as a process of adoption. When we're little, we kind of adopt our parents or whoever raises us, that worldview. And that's where we pick up our religion and faith. If they took us to church, we, go, we start becoming that church. I was raised Catholic, so I went to a Catholic church. And so that was my point of view of faith. Some may have been Methodist, and some may have been a very strict legalist, and some may have been evangelical. Everyone has a different way. But you picked up your view of faith there. That was your beginning point. Compassion, affection, and love all was developed as a child. 
My household never hugged. We never said, oh, we love you. We never said, oh, when you get there, please call. That wasn't our style. Ours was, well, if you didn't call, then it must be okay. And so, but you know, everybody's, was every, everybody's just different. All of a sudden, we started getting in-laws that wanted to hug. I'm like, oh, what is this? You know, our world, we thought that was normal. A lot of us thought a cold versus tender, in uncompassionate versus compassionate. We all get our own worldviews from that. We also get a view of more money, education, and careers. How many of you got a worldview of being stingy because you saw stingy parents? I mean, how many of you mismanage money? I can tell you this, I'm in the credit business. You show me a, a parent with bad credit, I'll show you a kid with bad credit. Because they seem to pick up the same habits their parents had. You show me an 800 beacon parent, I don't even pull the credit of the kid. I just run it to the bank. Because I know that that kid's following right along. It's, it's, you know, with old, some of those old sayings are true. It doesn't fall from, far from the tree. Education, all these things. So all these things are really important. We end up living a lot like our parents, for good or bad, for quite some time. But then after we adopt, we begin to adapt. School, classmates, teachers, all of a sudden these different things start hitting us. And now we're getting a little confused about our worldviews. And things get a little tense sometimes. Sometimes they're just little subtle adjustments. Okay, I can, I can see that. Oh, I see this. Before long, by the time you're in your later teens or early 20s, at least, I began to question everything. And, I, and quite frankly, life did not match up to my worldview of faith, religion, all the stuff. And I started really starting to challenge everything. And I started to wander. And when I started to drift, and unfortunately, when you start to drift, very rarely do you ever drift right into port just nice and cozy. You usually drift in the wrong spot. The wind seems to blow you in a wrong place. And I really started drifting. I mean, I had a religious background as a kid, but it just didn't line up. And when I'd ask questions, I always heard lines like, it's got to be true, it's in the Bible. Well, it's got to be more than that. You know, I couldn't buy that. Or, in my case, you know, that's what the priest said. You think you're smarter than the priest? Well, it didn't help me too much. So all that did was, in my case, raised up my rebellion even more. And so I walked away. And I lost my faith when I couldn't defend it anymore. Well, I had no defense for anything I had to say. And I'm, I'm sad, but when I left, I kind of liked it. I felt like it was, this burden was taken off of me. I'm going to tell you why. I felt I was faking it, and I didn't have to fake it anymore. And unfortunately, I went to the deep end. I started where I, I, I started making fun of Christians. I kind of looked down at Christians. I thought they were airheads, that they, this blind faith meant, meant that they took their brain and parked it in the, you know, to the side. And I, I'm like, what's the deal with this? You know, come on, guys. I was, I'd love to argue with them. And of course, I was a minor in philosophy, so I got the, all the, that going with me. And, and I, was a, I was a wreck. Here's the bad part. 
I ha- to handle sin and shame, which I still had, I just changed my worldview. What then was unacceptable became acceptable. What I did not accept as a child became acceptable in my 20s and 30s, and then into my 40s. What I thought was bizarre behavior almost, I thought was, it's okay, no one got hurt. You know, I lived my whole life with, you know, the old phrase, here, hold my beer and watch this. And, and so I was a wreck. It was, I, the big part was I knew something wasn't right because I kept continually making bad choices. I knew something wasn't right. So even though I made fun of the faithful people and their philosophies and their things, I knew whatever I had, it wasn't really that much better. But I just thought, I'm okay. I'm not really unhappy. I'm not joyful, but I'm not unhappy. I just went with the flow. Of course, I learned later, the only thing that goes with the flow are dead fish. (laughs) But, But anything... Well, it is true. (laughs) But I started to go to church, though, to make my wife happy. I had gone through a divorce. I lived several years as single. Met this woman that was Christian. Don't know what she saw in me. I, I thought this was crazy. And so I went to church to make her happy. And then I met this incredible person. He's wonderful, he was loving, he was incredibly patient. His name's Andrew Park, and he's a Korean pastor. I went to a Korean Methodist church in Cincinnati. And and, uh, that's where I started listening to stuff. Here's what happened. They had a Korean service, and Andrew Park was a seminary professor that took all the English people and brought us down in the basement and said, we're going to have our own little Bible study. And all I did was play devil's advocate for over a year. I'm not kidding. And he was just so wonderful and patient. And he would sit there and answer the questions as he felt he should. He was so led by the Spirit. It's unbelievable. And he's a great teacher. And he let me talk my way through. You know, oh, gosh. So finally it came up to Holy Week, and I had that week off. And he begged me. He said, Chuck, read the Passion versions in Mark Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And read them over and over and look at them as Jesus being a real person. Not a mythical person, not a cartoon character, a living, breathing, real person. And look at that. I went through that. I did as he said. See, I was really curious though. Here's the part. The Holy Spirit was moving on me. I just didn't know it. And so I was very curious. I I read it and I read it. By Friday, I was wrecked. And I would call him up. Now, what was the deal with this and this and this? And what was the deal with that? He'd he'd tell me and tell me, you know, go go to this one. You'll see why that and this. I was wrecked. I was telling him, it's time for me to be baptized. Now, I was baptized as Catholic, but I knew I needed to be baptized. And he told me, but the one thing he told me before I started reading all that is, is fix your eyes on Jesus. Yay. He said, just keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't worry about theology. Don't worry about the other stuff. Just, work, just watch and look at Jesus. So the verse I'm, going to, I'm using is from Hebrews. Now, this is a book that's written 
to two Jews that believe in the Lord. They're saved people. But life is just too hard. And they're starting to drift. I don't know if you know someone starting to drift. You guys aren't drifting, but you probably all know someone that's, that's drifting. You may have a son, a grandchild, someone you know is drifting. Well, that's what was happening here. Life was too tough. And it, didn't, it didn't make sense to them. So this book is written to people who are starting to drift, Jews in particular. That's why you see a lot about the high priest, because that was important within Jewish culture. So we get to chapter 11, and he starts giving them all these great heroes of Jew Jewish faith. Yeah. And, he's, and then and he says, and he's saying, look at those guys did. They kept the faith, and they never saw the one that God was supposed to send. See, they were all expecting someone to come into the world to do something big. So some, someone to come into the world to do something for the world that would change the world. They were all looking for that. He's saying, the guy just got here. His name's Jesus. Do you notice that? He goes, you guys are, you know, you're missing it. So then he writes this verse. And this was his don't give up whole book is that. I love this. He says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Every encumbrance is anything that weighs you down. Anything that, you know, actually it's a work, it means like being overweight, whatever weighs you down. Because they're talking about a race. They're saying, you know, you need to train and lose a little weight here. So that's, not, that's different than sin. But notice that it's the sin. It's a, so it's not just sin in general. And it's accepted that it's a sin of loss of faith. It's a sin of not belief, of unbelief. So he's saying, lay it aside. Now, when Paul, it's more of a command. It's not like, it's kind of a good idea. It's like, no, you lay it aside. And it's a command. It's, it means we are powered to do it. We are empowered to lay it aside. And then, then it goes forward. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This chain, that right there was so important to me because I can't go with the flow. I've got a race that has a starting point, that has a path, and has a finish. This is telling me I've got to toss this stuff aside and get on the road or some you know some people get up and go and know where you're going so now he's got me that, that was really important boy that's not a trivial little part of this thing the race set before you means someone has set and got a plan in your life this is not just well I'll start doing this religion thing and see how it goes this is I am leading you in this Okay, so fix our eyes on Jesus. Lock him in. Laser vision on Jesus. It's blinders. It's the closest thing I can come to. You ever see a horse that had the blinders? The reason is, if a horse sees something in its peripheral vision, they're dumber than a stump. If they see something, in a, they'll all of a sudden go crazy. And off they go. I mean, I, have you ever been on a horse that went to a full gallop without expecting? I have once. And it was a bird. A bird flew in front of that horse, and next thing you know, whoa. 
And I told this farmer I knew how to ride horses and I had never been on a horse before. And it's in full gallop. I can tell you what, I don't know who was screaming more, them or me, but, 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 it was, but we've got to put blinders on sometimes. You know, I, I make jokes at work about salespeople. I say, come on, focus on what you're doing here. I go, you're like a stupid big old large mouth bass. Every time you see something sparkly, oh, you know, off you go. And I said, come on, man. Well, we're all that way. So we got to, all right, fix it. The author and perfecter of faith. You know what? This is where it really gets exciting. The author and perfecter of our faith. Do you understand something that I didn't understand? I don't have faith so I can believe in Jesus. Jesus exists so I have faith. It's not blind faith. It's Jesus. My world views a person. My lens is through his eyes. My worldview is not about what does the church think about this issue or what does the church think about that issue. It's about Jesus. And so now, if I have an argument, I say, what did Jesus say? What is the character of Jesus, the author of my faith? He started my faith. I didn't have faith, and then Jesus pops up. It's him. And, and on Christmas morning, the author of my faith began. He lived. He then died. He rose, and he ascended into heaven perfecter of my faith. He said, I'm going to do it. And he did it. His father said, I'm going to send him. And he sent him. Jesus did what he said. I'm just telling you, when a guy says, I am going to die and rise again and pulls it off, you better pay attention to him. All right. yeah. And so that's, that changes everything. That's, not, that's a game changer of all game changers. But I had a little thing. I had a problem because I didn't lay aside my sin and encumbrances. I was, I, was, I was on fire there. I was on fire. I go to Cincinnati Bible College. I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm going to increase. But the encumbrance came in 12-ounce cans, and my sin was everything that went along with that. So I started to drift again. Not because of the challenges, but because... I couldn't live up to it. I, it was all about me again. You know, my perception of heaven was all the stuff I get in heaven. That's what I focused on. The banquet table, the roads of gold, the pearl of this. It, the, Jesus is in heaven, guys. I mean, that's why we're going. That's why we want to be there. Sure, the rest of it's nice. It's, it's like... It's like going to Hawaii and all you're talking about is how nice your room is. I mean, come on. That's the same thing. So I move along, and I'm getting worse and worse, actually. And I, start, and I move to Indiana and come to this church. My wife starts begging me to quit this and do this. And I didn't realize she was really ready to leave. And so she asked me to, to go to get some help. I knew about CR. That Sunday, I speak to someone that was one of the leaders of CR. And she said, I'm going to give you one little piece of advice. Before you go on Tuesday, fix your eyes on Jesus. 
for a couple of days. He says, then when you get there, you'll be receptive. Mike Mulvaney used to lead worship for the, and he started to sing a song about break those chains. Jesus came back. And he came back with thunder this time. Wow. He, he made sure I had no, uh, no question who it was. And I was sitting in a seat and I couldn't move. And from that point on, I found out drifting is not racing. Drifting is not following the path set out before me. Jesus is. And all of a sudden, I've got a new lifestyle, a new philosophy, a new religion anchored in Jesus. Yeah, there's, there's theology now that, that I've been criticizing. There's philosophy now that I've been criticizing, but it's centered on Jesus, person of Jesus. Not the theory of the, the person of Jesus, the person of Jesus. Because what happens now is the Bible passages that troubled me and the church rules and the politics, the hypocrisy, all the other things that distracted me no longer distract me because Jesus comes first. You know, I'll even go to a church where a guy's got a goofy hairstyle or no hair at all. <laughs> I mean, see, the faith is not about that stuff. How many times have you heard people say, my pastor retired or my pastor left, and I don't really go to church anymore? I've heard a lot of people say that. I've heard people say the church has heard them. I've heard people say about all these other things. Jesus is our faith. He's our, the anchor of our faith. It, I just, I, I wish I could articulate sometimes just what, you know, what the worship group today, you know, I thought I was going to get wrecked today. Because I've been thinking about all my past, and this has been on my heart all week. And then you start talking about the victory of Christ. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Does anyone else out here feel what I'm feeling right now? Because I mean, I had tears coming down my face. It, it, it was unbelievable because I'm coming back to, I was coming back to those, those early days of my faith. And seeing Jesus, it made me look at Jesus again. I haven't wandered from Jesus. I haven't drifted at all from him. But I'm looking at him from, a, from that child look, ch those childish eyes I had back then, that like Christmas morning look. And it was all coming back again. And it's just, and we need to get back to that. We need to get back to the Jesus that we all saw that day. You know, see, faith is not something on the outside trying to get in. It's on the inside trying to get out. And it's in the inside trying to be lived out through you. Jesus isn't drifting from you at all. You go wherever you go, he's coming with you. And I've tossed out ritual and replaced it with relationship. I was raised in a, in a church, my, my, remember my church view was ritual. And now communion is a union, communion. And I, f I feel the affirmation of all that Jesus did at the Last Supper telling us, I'm going to perfect your faith. I'm going to make it all perfect. So you know exactly what you believe in. And if anyone questions it, you can go right to me and say, what's the deal with that? And I'll bring you 
I'll bring you an answer. I, it's just so stunning what that verse means to me. And I, that's the reason I keep going back to it all the time. All the time. Then it says, when you look how he perfected it, he endured the cross despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Yeah. Some of us have to just put up a little bit of, you know, if someone gives you a rough, oh, you're a Christian? I'm like, I know right where you are. I was you for years. So I go, you're in my ball game now. I, I don't worry about that. You know what happens when someone criticizes you? They need more information. That's really the motto of my life. I'm in sales. Everybody criticizes you. Ah, oh, look at you. Oh, those are no good. You know, everybody says no. I don't. I'm, I'm like, you said no because you don't have enough information. So that's where I look at it. When someone starts to, I go, oh, you're going to start a dialogue, then, aren't you? And then I ask them, a, I ask them a simple question: If we have a conversation, will you have an open mind and actually listen to both sides instead of? Just listen to yourself. If they say yes, and you'd be surprised how many do say yes, we have a conversation. Then I get, oh, hold it here. You're only one side of there. But it's fun. Because Jesus is it. I don't have to, well, why is it in the Old Testament? I don't know. Jesus perfected everything. Because <laughs> it was pointing to Jesus. Everything points to Jesus. You, have you ever, when you focus on Jesus, everything points to Jesus. When you read the, the ver, everything in the Bible, it's all about Jesus. I don't care. You read Jonah. Uh, I mean, Jonah, three, in the whale, three days. Oh, no kidding. How about that? I didn't, didn't catch that one as a kid. I just remember Jonah in the whale. He didn't tell me about the three days in the whale and the connection to, that Jesus was going to talk about it. Job. What does he say? I wish I had an intercessor. He's talking about Jesus. I mean, everywhere I go in the Bible, I see Jesus in there. And now it's, it's, it's Jesus, my experiences, my, my source of love and compassion, my pleasure and my joy, all those things have been changed because of Jesus. My marriage has been changed because of Jesus. Everything about my worldview has been changed. And I just keep saying, go back to Jesus. Whenever something at church is starting to irritate you, like some guy in a brown sweater, you know, Jesus. The name of Jesus. You just sang that. Oh my gosh, that was. The name of Jesus is so powerful. Because when you proclaim his name, his character is what comes out of your mouth. When you proclaim his name, name means all of who he is, it brings him in the presence of you in the proclamation of his name. It's always in your presence. As soon as you say Jesus, with the mind focused on Jesus, not as a ritual trigger word, you know, the abracadabra, you know, abracadabra. No, it's not that way. When you focus on Jesus, he comes. And I want you to do this sometime. Ask someone who's drifted away. Ask them what they were focusing on what their eyes were on, what they are looking at, what, what upset them. Nine times out of ten, there'll be someone in the church 
that caused him to leave the church. It wasn't about Jesus. It's almost never do they say, Jesus is a fake. I've never heard that. But I have heard the pastors are fake, the choir directors are fake, the assistant pastors are fake. I've heard all about their, all the other fakes. But not Jesus. We got to get our focus back onto that and make sure that if you're, if you're evangelizing and you're looking at them as a, a mission instead of a person that you want to introduce the person of Jesus to, then your heart's in the, probably in the wrong place. But when you want to say, I know someone that you should know, your conversation will be more outgoing instead of in, inward focused. I, you know, I, I hate to say it, I'm not doing this for advice. This is an invitation. This is an actual invitation in the relationship with Jesus. And I hope you, you, you look at it that way. I want to finish with one last passage, and I'll tell you why I want to finish with this. This encapsulizes all that Jesus did for you. We talk a lot about Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sins, but the really reason is the sin blocked his relationship with us. His sin did, it, it, the sin keeps us from being changed. And so in Corinthians 15, right at the very end of the chapter, this is almost like Paul's grand finale, if you will, of the whole book of Corinthians. He's got a few more things to say in chapter 16, but not really much. We just finished that today. <laughs> But I love this part, starting in verse 51, chapter, chapter 15, 1 Corinthians. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet, for the last trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. For this, for this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Therefore, my brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. We got a race to run. And I want you to look at something here. It says right here, the sting of death is sin. Jesus has conquered sin. And those of us in him have conquered sin. Subsequently, we have conquered death. In Christ, we have been made righteous. And in that righteousness, our sin nature is gone. The power of sin is dead. You have just been made an eternal being in Christ. You are immortal. Your body isn't, but you are. Your spirit, your essence is. And so in Christ, Jesus, all of this is true. That this is not waiting 
till we're dead before we find out that it was a good idea to be a Christian. This is about moving now in a life, in a focus, in a worldview that I'm immortal. That what happens here today cannot, is only a temporary moment of my life. I'm moving on. Victory through Jesus. Yeah. Oh, death, where is your sting? Where's your victory? It has been defeated and it sits at the right hand of the Father. All right. And so you've got a race to run, a race to run. I've got a race to run. And I've got someone with me every single step. Yes. And his name's Jesus. Yes. He's my coach, he's my teacher, he's my Lord, and he's my friend. His majesty and power are as endless as his love. His love and mercy. And he expresses it all with great grace. I'm just, he's my king, my savior, and his name is Jesus. And I love him. Thumbs up. I'm just going to ask each of you, just take a moment as we close here. And put, just kind of close your eyes. However you want to receive him, if you want to stand, if you want to sit. Just close your eyes and receive Jesus. Receive him in a new way that you have him. Make it very, very personal. If you have to, think what he's wearing. Does he have whiskers right now or does he have clean shaven? What is Jesus right now? And focus on where he has been in your life. I want you to take a moment and think a little bit about your path and how many times that you thought you were at a crossroads of real difficulty and you found out that the traffic cop right there was Jesus. And he was there for you. He's there for us now. And as a body, he's, he's right now connecting every one of us together. We're weaving together in, into one body through Christ, in Christ, for Christ, Jesus. You see, the word Lord and Christ describe the name of Jesus, the person of Jesus. Right now, he's probably putting something in your mind that you didn't even, you never thought of when you walked in the door. I'm getting a, a, a something. Jesus is wanting you to learn how to, to subject yourself to his father so you become a good child. Some of us right now are having challenges, maybe with parent issues or being a, being a parent or maybe your own parents. I get a sense of a generation conflict that he's saying, I want to resolve right now. But the way to resolve it is become a great child of God right now. Become a child of God. Be obedient to God. Be, trust me for everything. Let the love of the Holy Spirit flow through you. Those of you who have maybe children are slightly estranged, he's saying connect, 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 connect from Jesus. Father, I just want to give you the thanks that you sent your son. Jesus, I want to thank you that you are the son of God. And in your glory, you have come to me. And that through you, I know the Father because you're the exact image of the Father. And, th and through the Holy Spirit, you speak. I hear your voice. I know what Jesus sounds like. And you speak nothing but encouragement, nothing but love, nothing but the compassion of the heart of a father that you perfectly represent. I thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life. I thank you for choosing me because I did not choose you because you loved me first. Oh, yes. 
I want to thank Jesus, I want to thank you for every single person that you had me bump into, stumble into, so I would come to know you. We give you thanks and all the, all the praise and all the glory. And I just ask you, Lord, that I continue to change, continue to develop more and more like you. I've got a long way to go, but i got an eternity to do it. I thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.